a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. President Joe Biden has been in office now for, what, two days and has already set records in the volume of executive orders signed in the first few days of a presidency. And I'd like to just offer a word of caution. We should not allow ourselves to get too comfortable with hearing news of the signing of executive orders. It is it's not the way that our federal government was established to run. In fact, uh, it, it wasn't until you know, relatively recent years, relatively recent, and remember the United States has been around for a little while, uh, that these executive orders started to grow in scale and scope. And you have to wonder, well, why, why is that the case? I'll tell you what, let me back up a little bit. First, we should probably make sure we are on the same page and understand exactly what an executive order is. On day one of President Biden's administration, he sat down in the Oval Office and one of his first official acts was to sign uh, a stack of, of, what, 17 executive orders? Long way to go. These are just executive actions. Uh, They are important, but we're going to need legislation for a lot of the things we're going to do. Okay, you, you heard that reference there to legislation. We'll come back to legislation and how that fits in this conversation in just a moment. But executive orders are unilateral decrees stemming from uh, authorities presumed to rest on the presidency. Okay, I, I say presumed because the truth is, if you go back in time, if you look at uh, many of the executive orders, Orders signed by President Trump. If you go back to the prior administration, to the time of President Obama, many of the executive orders signed by President Obama, once those made their way into the many of them, once they made their way into the court system, they were challenged, 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 ultimately landing in the laps of the Supreme Court. So very many of them were thrown out. And the throwing out of an executive order ultimately is a decision by the Supreme Court, which says, uh, yeah, no, you you don't have the authority to do that. You don't have the uh, authority to uh, make such a decree. And we will see, time will tell, uh, if many of the executive orders signed by now President Biden this week will stand the test of time. And that test coming through, uh, you know, challenges leading up to uh, Supreme Court decisions. If, of course, the Supreme Court takes it up. Now, what's so wrong with an executive order? It's an order essentially uh, directing 
you know, an agency within the executive branch to do this or that. Feels like it should all be contained within the executive branch and with the president being the chief executive. uh, What's so wrong with that? Well, you see, as time has marched on in American history, the agencies and departments of the executive branch of government have grown to be, you know, almost branches of government themselves. And short of that, they have certainly grown to wield influence in spheres much larger than they were originally constructed to to influence. And so the scope of the rules, and I say rules, not laws. We'll get back to that in just a second. Uh, The scope of the rules and the orders handed down through these executive orders is on a scale never imagined by our founders or the drafters of our Constitution. They look less like rules and more like laws. Think back to Schoolhouse Rock. Who's in charge of laws here in this United States? Yeah, that's the legislative branch. And what we have is a failure to check on and balance the distribution of authority and powers uh, which rest in the branches of government. Why? There are two uh, parties at fault. Number one, Congress itself has relinquished many of its authorities, has relinquished to the presidency uh, many, many of its authorities. Why? Well, uh, if, you, if you are a reader of Boyd Matheson, he has a fascinating piece published right now in the Deseret News. It's an opinion piece under the headline, A Word to the President, You Don't Get to Good Governance by Executive Order. You don't get to good governance by executive order. One of the points he makes, Boyd makes in uh, his article here, and it's one that I agree with 100%. If I am a member of Congress and I allow for big consequential decisions to be made uh, by someone else, if those decisions and the fallout afterwards, if that ends up falling flat, well, then I... As a candidate for office, someone running for Congress, I can say, hey, look, look at the failure. Look at the failure of the executive office. Look at the failure of the president. Look at the failures which flowed from the decision to sign such an executive order. You relinquish responsibility. Instead of doing what you were voted and elected into office to do, which is to take that responsibility seriously, to make decisions, to make decisions within the confines of the powers entrusted you by your constituents and those who voted for you and those who you represent. And the responsibility is twofold. You, if you make the right decision, you'll be rewarded for it. But the gamble is, if you make the wrong decision, if things go sour, you have to be strong enough and willing enough to take responsibility. It's the shirking of that responsibility of the negative outcome of decisions that has led, in large part, to this authority, which originally rested in the legislatures, specifically the United States Congress, to drift over to the executive branch. Now, with that said, why wouldn't then the chief executive say, "Uh, no, I don't want to be responsible for that? No, because... There is something very attractive about consolidating power and collecting it yourself. 
And so for that matter, these two competing attitudes, I would like to have power in the executive branch versus those would-be candidates in the United States Congress saying, I would like to uh, you know, kind of shed myself of this responsibility of any negative outcomes of the decisions we might make. Those two ideologies are on a collision course, which has been for years and years leading to an increased number of executive orders, effectively laws being created by the White House. That's not how this country is supposed to work. Last point I would make has to do with certainty. Certainty and predictability is one of the keys to you know a successful economy, a successful business, a successful community and civilization. If we can predict what tomorrow will look like, we can plan for tomorrow. But as executive orders are able to be overturned by whoever may be the next president, in this case Joe Biden, well, those who are subject to the rules created by those executive orders have no ability to plan for the future. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, I'm going to welcome to the program former Utah Congressman Rob Bishop to talk more about these executive actions and how they have grown to the unfortunate scale. Live breaking news. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 